0: today on the podcast i'm lucky to have urban dog studio an amazing local a pair of photographers who have a great studio and have built a wonderful environment to help other artists flourish around and within. Uh, That is Lori Elmer and Nikki Knowlton. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having us. Thanks for so excited to be here with you.
0: Oh, good. good. So I'm actually in their studio right now in Pinellas Park. And um, we spent hours chatting about podcasts (laughs) because they have a wonderful one called Let's Bark About It Tampa Bay. But I'm just curious so much about their whole journey from starting in photography and turning it into like a physical studio space. So, um, do you guys want to kind of just take turns tell me a bit about your first time you picked up a camera and when you decided to you wanted to start making money with it?
1: Uh, yeah, so I had been doing landscape and wildlife photography for a long time, and then in the early 2000s, my husband and his partner. Uh, my husband's a veterinarian, and his partner were building a new practice, and they asked me, because I have an art degree, to decorate the lobby, pick out the artwork for the lobby, but knowing that they had different tastes, and also knowing that I was going to have to please the team, the staff members, too, it was sort of daunting, and I didn't want anybody to be mad, so I was racking my brain. What could I do that um, that everybody would be on board with? And, of course, everybody there loves animals and loves pets, so I thought, well, I'll just photograph everybody's pets. I... Figured I could just leverage my photography experience uh, for pet photography. Uh, I didn't realize at the time when I was getting myself into <laughs> it was um, it was a pretty big learning curve because I'd never done studio photography before. So I had to figure it out, um, and the resources online weren't like they are today. Yeah, yeah. No, no tutorials. No YouTube
2: tutorials. So
1: I was like scouring for books and magazines and and just kind of winging it too. I, um, I so ended up... what was that first studio? then? Was it? I didn't have a studio. I okay. used the lobby at my husband's office, <laughs> my garage, clients, that team members' <laughs> homes. I went to their houses. Tell them about your light setup. I bought shop lights from Home Depot, and I used fabric from Joanne Fabrics. So you're not supposed to use shop lights from Home yeah, Depot. Yeah, it's not. It's not how <laughs> well, you can.
2: I mean, my set was shop lights from Home Depot as well. It, okay. it gets
1: really, really hot. And oh, yeah. Okay. Not a good thing. It's probably a fire hazard. And yeah the quality of the light is number one. I know this sounds crazy, but it's almost not bright enough. It's not the same that you would get when you're using the flash. Flash. Now, if you're into continuous light and you want Mm -hmm. it to be really sweaty and you don't care that the color temperature of the light is really, really bad, knock yourself out. Go for it. You know what? And that's all you have. You use what you have, you know? So it it can be done. And some of those photographs are still hanging on those walls more than 20 years later. So Uh um, so I'm not saying don't do it. It probably wasn't ideal, but... I did learn how to use light by doing that. Okay. Um, now I did have some experience already using flash. So like the camera mounted flash or just off camera flash. So I kind of knew a little bit about light, but um, I didn't have enough light to light these animals. But anyway, that was sort of my first foray. Clients started seeing those on the wall. They asked me if I would photograph their pets. I agreed to do it. And then I don't exactly remember how it transpired other than I had another friend who was a photographer. We were in a critique group together. And he was doing some editorial work for a magazine, and um, and invited me to submit, put me in touch with the editor, and then somehow I just sort of accidentally became an editorial pet photographer. So Mm. I had to upgrade my process, had to buy real equipment, um, and then was photographing for Dog Fancy, Cat Fancy, Dogs USA, a whole bunch of different uh, pet titles, um, and was doing that and doing it successfully for quite a while was about to leave my corporate job and then I noticed one by one those magazines started falling off like the titles were just shutting down and that was probably about 2014 um, when all of those magazines just started to disappear as did every magazine in the whole world right. so I think dog fancy is still out there and there are a few others but unfortunately they primarily get their images from getty and they're buying microstock so it just mm-hmm. it sort of went away as a a a great business model <laughs> so Um, so I was still doing portrait work, but I kind of stepped back from it. Um, but was still doing some shoots when people would ask where it wasn't doing a whole lot of marketing. And then around that time, Nikki ended up moving to Florida and we have been friends.
2: we have been friends since
1: the early 2000s
2: early. Yeah.
1: So we also, we met online. We did meet. So
2: our origin story, love at first
1: sight. (laughs) Yes. we, We
2: met online in, um, a photo forum. Mm-hmm. And made quick friends and realized that we both kind of have the same tastes. She, I would have the same glass. I would post glasses or something, and she would like, I have those. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so we made quick friends. And my dad lives in Orlando, and I was in Oregon, and I was in Orlando for a visit. And I said, uh, Hey, where are you in Florida? Maybe I'll come out and see you. So I took the drive, my first drive from Orlando to Tampa. And met her out of the beach, and we got along great. We had the best time. Yeah, we had so much fun. We went down to the beach, and there was this old recliner and an older gentleman that jumped in it, and we took photos of that. And... Yeah, a German tourist in a recliner on North Reddington Beach. Oh, yeah. So, go figure. It's a great story. Yeah. And then I went back to Oregon, and at some point, obviously moved to Florida, and uh, called her up again and said, hey, I moved to Brighton. Are you anywhere near me? I don't have any friends.
1: Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> and I drove up to St. Pete, and I love St. Pete, so here I am. Yeah, and we we just started shooting together. So I had um yeah I had some shoots just here and there, and Nikki would come up and assist, and um or she would have something, and so we just started working together and realized that we had this really great sort of symbiotic shooting relationship, um and it was very easy for us to go back and forth. So sometimes she would assist and I would shoot, and sometimes I would assist and she would shoot. And, um, we sort of read each other's minds, even though our shooting styles are very different, very different. um, mm-hmm. it just, yeah, it just worked out really well. And then one day we were doing, um, headshots, we were doing some headshots at an animal hospital and, um, and also photographing some wildlife, one of the texts. Oh yeah. Yeah. There was, was little was, baby possums and a bird. It was, was rehabbing yeah. and we we just had a great time and we're like, you know, this is what we should be doing because we were both working in the corporate world at that time still. and. Um, so Nikki's like, this is what we should be doing all the time instead of our corporate jobs. And I was, I kind of like, yeah, wouldn't that be great? But, you know, you kind of have those velvet handcuffs. It's really hard mm-hmm. to walk away from big salaries, good benefits and all of that. So then, and then it was like November, December
2: of 2018. 2018 um and then it was like 2009, January, February. 20, so, or February of 2019. Right, but we had started talking about it. We started talking about a business name. We started talking about where would we shoot. And um, we didn't have a studio space. We couldn't always use the vet clinic, you know, the
1: lobby after hours.
0: Um, I, I do wanted... remember when you both first moved into this space.
1: Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was, we ended up moving in here in October of 2019. Okay, so we you had went the really studio fast.
0: before you came into the studios at, no. no, no, no. Oh, we, so this it, was the
2: initial studio. This, this is our first mm-hmm. studio. So, okay. two thousand January two thousand nineteen, we started seriously talking about it. Mm-hmm. In February two thousand nineteen, it was like, let's do this. Yeah, that sort
1: of everything aligned for us to leave the corporate world, and um, and then at that time, it number one, it was weather was nice, so we were able to shoot outside, mm-hmm. and um, so we were doing some test shooting and, and location scouting. Mm-hmm. And our plan at that time was actually going to be to convert Nikki's garage into a studio for those times when we needed to be indoors. And she also has a very large backyard. So we were talking about, you know, just creating some scenes, some good shooting spots yeah. in her yard. But also there was all, there was also some trepidation with that because, you know, you just, a lot of photographers have home studios and it's great, but um, there, are, there are also challenges with that. I mean, clients need to use a restroom and so they have to go into your home, which means your house always has to look spotless. And then Nikki has her own set of pets. So, so was, yeah. Yeah. You know, so the, it wasn't ideal. It wasn't perfect. But it, we were going to make it happen and we were going to
0: make it work. So when you're looking for a studio space, what well, like? What was on your checklist?
1: Affordability? Well, it, it needed to be <laughs> something that, well, sure. we had we had a minimum size requirement. Yeah. Um, and and then what was that? It needed to be at least 15 feet long. And at least 10 feet wide that, and that was a bare minimum and then we've realized now that that was that was we were underestimating our needs okay. was but that,
0: was that number based on your lighting setup your backdrops or based on the fact it that was, was two of
1: you it was based on the square footage i was utilizing at my husband's office that i made work so i knew oh, that that okay. worked um and um you know parking a restroom and it needed to be a, a space that was dog friendly because a lot of places wouldn't allow pets and um, as a matter of fact i had been eyeing these studios for a while And I had gone online and looked at the application process, and on the application process, it said, pets aren't allowed. So I kind of had ruled it out, Mm. but I thought, one day we were driving by, I'm like, thank you, let's just go check it out. I'm just curious to see what it's like, just to get a baseline of what studios are going for and all of that. And um, so we knocked on the door. Bobby. Yeah, Bobby Rydell is one of the artists here. He's now living in, I think, Tennessee. I think he's in Tennessee. Yeah, Yeah. He's so great. Yeah. So he showed us around. Yeah, he showed us around. And,
2: you know, we talked, We mentioned earlier that how things just kind of quickly lined up for us. And it's been like that this whole time. But he ended up knowing his wife is related to somebody. Susie's a delight. Susie's yes. yeah. related to somebody that I know back in Oregon. Wow. And I come from a very tiny town in Oregon. I shouldn't ever run into anybody from there. <laughs> so for me, that was like, "Oh, we are where we are
1: supposed to be. Mm-hmm. This is it. This is this right. is family." Yeah. So he showed us around, and we I said, "Wow, you know, we would really love to be in here, but I know there's a no pet policy." And he's like, "What do you What are you talking about? Everybody brings their pets here." I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> oh, yeah." <laughs> so, um, and we found out that somebody was probably going to be moving out in a few months, so we put in an application. And um, our application was accepted. Thank you, John Gascott. Yes, thank (laughs) you, John. um, And when we first moved in, we actually moved into a different space that's smaller than this one. So uh, tiny. (laughs) And we were in that, but we made it work, but we knew pretty quick that as soon as the space, if and when the space opened up, the the one that we're in right now, sitting in right now, opened up, we were going to definitely be like we would fight tooth and nail to get it. (laughs) And we got it. And we got it just a few months later. And 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 that was, yeah, that was like, Okay. And it was still
2: 2019. It was still two so 2019. So it all lined up. And then, so we've been in here, and we've been joking about, um, since then, raising the ceiling and making it, having the whole building, and here we are. And yeah, and Lord, so yes, the whole fast has. forward to
1: uh, John to now. and Yeah.
0: I didn't even realize these are dropped ceilings, because they're so
1: tall. Right. Our ceiling height right now is about eight and a half, which for photography is not ideal. I mean, for a pet photographer, and if that's all you do, oh, that's true. it's okay. But we also photograph people, Mm -hmm. and um, you need more space. Yeah, we need more height because you want to get lights up high, Um, and so we've we've gotten very creative with lighting. We've been able to make it work. Uh, We just it it hasn't always worked as easily as we would like it to. So now that we actually own the building along with John, um, we're we're going to be doing a renovation, hopefully starting in January, and expanding the space considerably. Um,
0: So So say you're you're. You're starting your first photography mm-hmm. studio. What are the first things you should buy, like to go from your home equipment to now you have a physical studio space mm-hmm. where you'll be able to do things permanently? Like, what's the first thing you'd want to get?
1: Um, so light. You're, well, you have to. Well, are already st- shooting at home. You already have lights. What would you have? You well, I mean, outside? some people be, some people may be doing natural light at oh, that's home, so true. they might you're be using inside. window light. I mean, the reality is, is that you need light of some sort. It can be window light. It can be natural light. It does limit, like you're going to just shoot somebody at midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're not going to get that window light, but all a studio really is is a space that you have at your that you have at hand anytime. So, a lot of people think that when you're going to open a studio, you have to have a ton of stuff. The reality is is you don't. You can paint your wall and make that your background. I mean, if you want variety, there's a but there's a lot of mm-hmm. different ways you can do that. We paint our own canvas backdrops, so you can buy mm-hmm. canvas and paint it how you want it to look. You can mm-hmm. use seamless paper but you don't have to have all the things and you don't have to start out that way any kind of a background and it can be a painted wall it can even be a brick wall that reminds me my first
2: studio back in Oregon we we had nothing i had two alien bees and a camera and a friend and we got a great space that had brick walls and window light and that's how i started our first piece of furniture was a headboard because i was doing dubois and let's see the frame and like a mattress and that was mm-hmm. it what's an alien b so oh, it's a brand of lights
0: oh okay
1: so <laughs> sorry <laughs> alien bees are actually an amazing brand they're great of lights um, um but they are definitely an entry level from a price point standpoint but again light is light i don't mm-hmm. like you don't have to have the most expensive lights out there you can buy used alien bees or um You know, Godox, which are are less expensive. You don't need to have pro photos and and all of the super expensive lights. I mean, there's some bells and whistles that are great to have on those, but honestly, light is light. So whether you're using speed lights, which are the ones that you can put on top of a camera or move off camera, um, if it's continuous light, if you buy some LED and let's say you're shooting things that don't move a lot, (laughs) you can get by with that continuous light because you don't need as much of it um, for a faster shutter speed. Um, But I I hear a lot of people, a lot of photographers that they are getting into it and they think they have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars. And the reality is, is you don't. Like one light with an umbrella and you can do almost anything. You can do a speed
2: light and an umbrella. Like we were saying, she started off with a Home Depot light. I had a shop light that was my, at that time, husband's that I was using. Um, mm-hmm. Then got used. No, from there, uh, he found at some auction some photographers' lights, probably from the '60s. <laughs> I used those, the hot lamps, and then um, then the used Alien bees. So you, it's a process. You don't right. have to start off with right. right the best stuff
1: on the planet. And there are some of the most lucrative artists, photographers out there that are doing a lot of magazine work, and they travel with two speed lights and a couple of umbrellas and a reflector. Like their mm-hmm. entire kit fits in a bag that they can carry yeah. with on a plane. So you don't have to have all the things. As a matter of fact, one of our most used um, our pieces of tool, equipment in the studio, I think it was $12 plus some tape. So it was li- <laughs> it's literally foam, white foam board from the dollar store that we've taped together with white tape to create what is called a V-flat. Um, and it's just basically this thing that folds into a v. And you can stack it against the wall. But when you want to use it, you bring it out. It forms a V or actually ours forms a W because we yes. made it bigger. And you just bounce light off of it. So you can take a small light and shine it on there. But it creates what's what we refer to as a big light source, which is a softer, more pleasing light. Um, and like it was a dollar a piece for, I guess they're $1.39 at the dollar no, store. No, it's $1.25. Oh, but tax. Yeah. So, <laughs> But I mean, for a very small amount whatever, of money, one of our most used... Uh, pieces of equipment yeah. is is that
0: so i saw this crazy thing on tiktok the other day for i mean it wouldn't work with dogs but for product photography mm-hmm. just use a single light bulb and a very low exposure and you can paint in a full oh film. Yeah. yeah light yeah.
1: painting is an amazing way yeah. to, to get things done mm-hmm. and and sometimes sometimes you don't want a lot of light i mean you might be doing you might want to get sort of a film noir look where you really do want just a
2: single light um, i've used a lamp i did some product mm-hmm. shots Made my own um, little white softbox on my dining room table and had lamps on either side. Mm-hmm. You don't have, you can just start off with what you have.
0: I've shot like almost a thousand pieces of jewelry in the last year. Yeah, few it was weeks. jewelry. And it just, jewelry. yeah, just on my dining room table with a yeah. tablecloth dropped in mm-hmm. one light and just a bunch of like white. Uh, Eleven by seventeen mailers to bounce it right. On. It yeah. just
1: bounces around and creates this nice, even overall light when you're doing product photography. And the you know the biggest challenge is just looking out for your reflections when you're doing stuff that has a shiny surface. And um, once you understand how light works, you can use just about any light as any light source. Um, and it's not just light; it's, it's it's also knowing how to take away light. So you use a piece of cardboard to block light. Or, you know, something that absorbs the yeah. light or... So, but it's all just understanding how light works. And there's a little bit of physics, but it's not hard physics once, sh- like, the words sound hard, like angle of incidence and, <laughs> and the inverse square law. But all it really means is you need to know how to deal with the direction of light and the quality of light. And, um, and then just... How to the, direct it. How yeah. to direct it. Where to put it when you want a light, a light source that feels soft or when you want that hard sort of edgy light, like how... You know, that's kind of, intuitively, it doesn't work the way a lot of people think it would work. Like, you want that soft light, you actually get your light source closer. And like the bigger the light source is relative to your subject, the softer the light's going to look. Versus if you want that hard light, you actually get your light source a little further away, and it's a smaller, smaller source relative to your subject. But once you just understand those basics, and you could literally, if you sat down and thought about it, or just watched a few tutorials, and you're focused and you practice and you can figure it out pretty easily. And once you know that, you can use any any kind of light in the whole world. A lot of um, fashion photographers don't use lights at all. They'll go downtown and they look at how light bounces off of the walls of buildings. Um, so you might be i have a great, harsh, sunny day, but if you get between two tall buildings, you don't have any direct light, but you get this amazing light bouncing back From and the forth buildings. between the building. It's really pretty. Oh.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you specifically about, um, I imagine something that anyone with a photography studio has to deal with is when and why you upgrade pieces of equipment. So do mm-hmm. you have like a dedicated allocated percentage of each bit of income that is dedicated towards new equipment? So that you can plan for improvements, even Mm -hmm. if you don't have a specific item in mind. How do you prioritize what to get, what to upgrade? We do have that on a spreadsheet. Yeah, so Mm
1: -hmm. we're pretty pretty diligent about knowing our numbers. Um, We kind of decided to do that pretty early on. So when we first decided to form Urban Dog Studio, a lot of our decisions or initial thoughts were based on stuff I'd been doing in the past. Um, Before, you know, when it was just myself and 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 my my mental data, whatever was kind of old um but before we even started seeing clients, we realized no we need to we need to know our numbers before we make any financial decisions so before we decided what we would be charging, what would we what we would be spending, we needed to know our fixed costs, our variable costs um, and then how we were going to allocate funds because we knew we would be buying additional equipment, we would need to purchase marketing materials. We would need to purchase insurance and also replacement stuff. So we've had, you know, over time, camera equipment fails. Like we both, we both have new camera, uh, we've purchased I, new yeah, camera bodies. New we've body. purchased some new lenses. Um, new because lights. we shoot so much, we wear it out. <laughs> so, you know, just replacing equipment and um, and replacing lights. Because when we first opened, I was using, we're still using some lights that are over 10 years old. And um, just over time, things break and fail. So we definitely Sort of build that in, so we have our little, our little, our little stash of funds that we use to purchase equipment and, and things like that. And you know, we allocate that every year, um, knowing that we're going to need to spend a certain amount. And so far, we've been pretty good about. We're pretty good. we I had a couple of, you know, oh, wouldn't it be fun to have this piece
2: of equipment?
1: So we we've done a little splurging we had like some fun sure. we, we, we have a
2: piece that we're, uh, we're girls <laughs> we, we have a giant modifier that we got it's amazing you watch the video and you're like oh I have to have this it was one of those like it was an impulse purchase it was a very impulse <laughs> well it wasn't that impulsive because you saw it and I saw it
1: We talked about it and then we impulsed by it it wasn't something we, we needed but it was something that would be cool to have but we found that our current space is a little—it doesn't fit. It's a little small for it. It's—it's it's, we can use it, but it's very cumbersome. Do you want to say
2: what it is? Oh, what's is it, it called? A we call it the mattress. It looks
1: like a giant <laughs>
2: blow-up mattress.
1: It's, it's amazing. It it's does a giant. The best light. It's a giant. It's an eight by eight soft square softbox is what it is, oh. and um, so you're able to put two lights on the other side. So what it does is it just creates this giant beautiful soft, light. Yeah. beautiful soft light, which is really nice for photographing um, a family or a, gr- a larger group. Or if you just really want to create a look that has almost the quality of outdoor light, like on an overcast day. Just yeah. this really beautiful, soft light. Um, so it's beautiful one we've used, it. it's just very cumbersome to use in our space. We need about. So it's eight feet tall and we have eight eight feet feet and close. a half foot mm-hmm. ceilings. Um, and uh, But in the
2: new space, it's going to be out all the time. Working. So you have to combine it look at Yeah,
1: it. it'll probably just stay. It'll probably it'll stay, up stay up and ready yeah. to go all the time because it will be that useful for us um well so like about
0: six months ago i started actually um allocating percentages of all my income for different portions of my business Mm -hmm. and so i i guess i don't know if i grossly exaggerated the amount of operational expenses that i need to save for but i've got like surplus that i need to spend on equipment Mm -hmm. so i could just let it sit there but you know i want to buy shit Right. So like well, yeah. <laughs> so how do you prioritize what you want to buy or is it well just whatever breaks?
1: Yeah, I mean I think general. we look at things like if we feel like we need um well we look at what our needs are and it might not be equipment, it might be we need to do some marketing. Okay. Uh, and so we might allocate that money towards some marketing. Um so we, your
0: marketing budget then is fluid throughout the year.
1: Yeah, I mean yeah. it's kind of based on how busy we are or how busy we wanna be. Like right now with everything we have getting ready to start with our renovation and everything. We're actually kind of we're not marketing because our schedule is a little uncertain. So um, we don't plan to be doing a whole lot the first two months of the year um, because we're never going to be really busy, hopefully, with under mm-hmm. construction. Um, with other things, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, some, it might be allocated towards a project, a personal project that we want to do, that we sort of jointly want to do. But one of our projects was our um, our book during COVID because we couldn't have clients in the studio. So, f- of course, as soon as we get in and we get set up, we start really rocking and rolling. We've got COVID. clients booked and um, the business is really starting to take off. Then shutdown happens. So we mm-hmm. couldn't have anybody in here. So we did a book uh, project because it was all outdoor shooting, um, almost exclusively outside. And uh, yeah. so we published Dog for the Berg. Um, and, um, and there was a bit of outlay on the front end of that. Um, because we had to pay for printing and, and a lot of a lot of things, um, a lot of administrative stuff to make it happen. So of course we have to pay ourselves um, when we weren't having it was going to be a delay before we were going to have revenue coming in. So um, so when you
0: pay yourselves, is it like an even amount each
1: month or? No, it's kind of based it's 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 based on production. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we we sort of pay ourselves after after we pay all of our fixed costs and on our cost of goods and all of that. Um, but we kind of have a percentage that it's been working out towards, and it depends on who's doing what for a shoot. So, um, like there might be a shoot that I do where Nikki assists and she'll help with a cell session or something, but I'm doing like 70%, she's doing 30% or vice versa. And it might be, she's doing a shoot. Um, like I don't really even get involved with a boudoir shoot that she does. I mean, that's just like, I don't need to be there. She's got it down to a science. Um, so so what we get reimbursed based on the sales from that shoot is based on our our um, the amount of work that we put into it. So we kind of have, we know that if you're doing the editing, it's X percent. If you're mm-hmm. doing the, um, if you're the prime, primary shooter, it's X percent. Yeah. If you're assisting, it's this. If you're also a second shooter, it's that. So, you know, we, it just kind of works out it's that fluid. way. Did yeah. it take a lot of iterations to end
0: up in that
2: situation? A little, a a little, little bit. bit. Not we too had much. to tweak it. I mean, yeah. we already started off. I mean, we started off with that idea, and then we have just kind of tweaked it yeah. over time. But so. I, I
0: imagine that's going to be a, a difficulty that anyone who is starting to start an art business with another person is going to mm-hmm. have. So it's pretty right. great to see that you have a system that's working out mm-hmm. so well for the two of you.
1: And I will tell you that uh, we are the exception. <laughs> we, we are the we exception are when exception. it comes to two photographers working in a studio, and they're both shooters. Um, there are a lot of husband and wife teams mm-hmm. that um, that work together. And of course, that's all going into one pot anyway. um, There are other partnerships, but usually one person is doing admin marketing when the other person's doing the shooting or whatever. Um, It's very rare that you'll have two photographers that actually can continue to get along and agree and do things. And that's not to say that we don't have our discussions, but um, I kind of don't recommend it for most people. I
2: I don't think it works for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, do you find you have like niches
0: that you specialize in that Mm -hmm. like? This is not the kind of thing where I want to get my hands involved in. I'm just going to hand it off
1: to you. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, because Nikki's great with... Like, we just did a shoot the other night. We did um, a homecoming dance where we did... Which is formal, not something we normally do. Their formal
2: but... photographs. And um, it was so much fun. I love that age group. I love young adults. I, I mean, like kids. I, I like I kids. Them. And young adults, I love 13 year old, not 13 year olds, but young yeah, they,
0: adults. We're not supposed to talk oh about my that. Gosh. It's fine as long as you don't get specific. Right. No, yeah. no, no, no.
2: So young adults, like she likes dogs, and I love dogs, but I can say Lori absolutely loves dogs maybe a little bit more than me. And so when it comes to kids and that type of thing,
1: I will take that mm-hmm. and she'll. Obviously, she just um, relates to them super uh-huh. well. Like, they, 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 she's like the Pied Piper for tweens and teens. I mean, yeah, they just love just her. Fine. And um, so she interacts with them. She gets them to pose really well. So, like, I didn't shoot a thing. I just sat there and I was just uploading. I was taking memory cards and putting photos in the Lightroom and doing a quick edit and posting them in a Pixie set for the group. So, by the time we were done, we were done. Like, those photos were already delivered by the wow. time the night was done. So it worked out and great. The kids had
2: a blast, and so yeah. that's where, like, we have this really good yin yang. Mm-hmm.
1: There's not a lot
2: of ego going on where she's sitting over there working on the computer, and I'm taking mm-hmm. the photos. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's the same thing if she's taking the photos and I'm assisting.
1: There's not that so ego. So you're able
0: to edit them as you're taking the photos.
1: Yeah. So Nikki, well, oh, handing off. She, she was. Cards. She would pull oh, out. Okay. She would pull out a. So she you don't do like
0: Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or. No, or we didn't do it.
1: Yeah, no, because way. then you're you're kind of relying. That connection and everything, mm-hmm. and that can be a problem. I and mean, We still had to rely on that to upload from the computer to our our online delivery system, which is Pixie Set. But um, no, Nikki would just shoot for about 20-30 minutes. She'd hand- we'd trade out the memory card, and while she was shooting the next batch, I was just taking those photos in. Is that because
0: the memory card was full, or because no, no, had- no, that's every twenty minutes. We just, minutes. Okay, we just,
1: just wanted so to keep it stuff to
2: keep working on. Yeah, yeah.
1: so we just wanted okay. to keep keep it moving and just an interesting. We know we yeah. wanted
2: to have like a good maybe 20 minute turnaround for the kids wow. so they would come in um do some photo you know do three frames I was doing like three frames in the beginning with the couples and singles and like how, many, of kids. how many
1: kids were there? it was a small group it was a small group but it was a lot of we kids didn't, i mean it ended up being you know Sorry, i'm so just
2: fascinated by all the logistics
0: of no. that it was a
1: couple hundred i mean we was a couple hundred photos wow okay. yeah so you yeah. said like
0: two or three photos per kid Yes, per, a group.
1: And a couple of them kind
2: of came in again. So the way it worked is they came in, we had a QR code set up, uh, they registered, it sent them a link to the Pixie set or the, the gallery. online gallery. Nice. And so the couple would come get their photo taken, we'd tell them, you know, give us 15, 20 minutes, I'd shoot a few more kids, then hand off the card to Lori, which put a new card in, and then she's tweaking everything and getting it uploaded. And then those kids
1: were like, oh, and they would come back. Because they were looking at their photos that were, they were like, oh, my God, these are fast. awesome. We want more. So a lot of oh. the kids were repeaters. Yeah. This, the class. Well, what I mean, kind of editing can you do in like 15, 20 minutes? It's very quick. I mean, it was, it was just cropping. very. It was just. Yeah. It was basic. Like, mm-hmm. it was just cropping and then just doing some. A little color correcting and levels adjustment. I assume you were on a tripod, Mickey. On a tripod, Mm -hmm. the light was set up great, and you're set on manual,
0: so like everything is the same. Everything is the
2: same. Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah. we
1: figured that out
2: beforehand.
1: I mean, we had to. We changed some things, like for larger groups, we were having to make some some adjustments. We were having to pull lights out, and sometimes switching because we were primarily shooting like in a vertical format, but every once in a while, having to switch the camera over to horizontal, and pulling the lights out, or some of the the set. We would have to arrange yeah, the larger Yeah, we were
2: groups. prepared for I was thinking, oh, maybe two couples, you know, little groups. And then the principal came and asked us if we could do all of the staff. I'm like, sure. How many are How many are here? 12.
1: Right? 12. So, so we're so, having yeah. to, so, and,
2: yeah. So, you know, we had to, we had to do a little we bit We had to of, punt a little bit during those moments, which but, we're really good at. And we had, at one point, I, a, a whole bunch of kids tried to get in one picture. And I was like, And this is too many kids. So at one point I was like, no more than five, you have to, and then you, they still had to squeeze it. And then
1: we would throw in a six or seven one. but if you tell them no more than 10, you'd have 20 trying to get it. Right. But, um, and they loved being able to get those photos right away. Now this was nothing like one of our normal shoots. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean it's not normally a studio shoot at all. one of our studio shoots we do like, well let's talk about yeah what, what is the general process
0: okay. when someone says I'm going to hire urban dog studio what is the first step so
1: our prime the the main session that we typically do and we have a few other variations but the main one that we do we refer to as our signature session a client will reach out to us um and we have a discovery call so we find out what it is they're looking for and if we feel like it's even safe,
0: before we get to that how does this client
1: typically find you uh, a Google search, Google. word of mouth, client referral. Um, there's a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's Sometimes like social media. From
2: a uh, an item that we've donated to an auction. Yeah, it, and it might be they mm-hmm. won an auction
1: session or whatever. Do yes. you track? Are like, they size? Do yeah. you
0: track like how that? What mm-hmm. brought that person in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you look at like percentages or something at the end of the year. Or yeah.
1: So about fifty percent of our clients actually find us through Google. So they're wow. looking for a pet okay. photographer. We um mm-hmm. we rank really well in SEO. So yay. Um, so we rank well with SEO, so they find us, um, and then I, the other, probably other half, it's a mix of client referral and, um, word of, yeah, we're, yeah. yeah, just mostly word of mouth or because we've donated something to a charity auction and, um, so you know. get a lot
0: of returns from those. Though. We do. Yeah. And those, those
1: sometimes okay. are our best clients who refer us the most. Interesting. Um, so, so yeah, so those clients will reach out and during the discovery call, we, we uh, we just find out if they're the right fit. So some people are looking for just one or two photos, uh, or they or they want to just go and have a one hour shoot, and they want to get all the digitals on a card. And that's really not it's our not business our, model. Yeah, so yeah. we'll refer them out to somebody else. We have a, there are a few other wonderful pet photographers in the area who do that, and we're happy to refer because you know we're not gonna we're not gonna be the answer for everybody who wants pet pet photography. And um and what I love about our pet photographer community here is that there's a lot more collaboration than there is competition. competition. So everybody yeah. is very supportive of each other. And, you know, we want to see all of us be successful. I mean, we love the fact that we have pet yeah. The more pet photographers we have in the area, the more people
2: know it's a thing.
1: Mm-hmm. So it benefits us. So
2: And when another, I mean, i personally come from, and I know Lori does too, when another photographer does well, so do we. Okay. So you've mentioned that you're shooting by sharing with you and collaborating with you and your photography getting better. One that helps us grow and everybody's growing and everybody's getting better. And I don't think that it mm-hmm. should be, the craft should not be kept, you know, behind closed doors and all. You have to figure it out yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to have to go through four different light sets. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know?
1: and, and people helped us along the way. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we you know, yeah. but, um, but anyway, so we have that conversation. We find out if we're the right sort of good fit, the the right session type that they're looking for. And our client our typical client is somebody who wants um, a very custom session. They want a lot of one-on-one time. Um, we are very, very high service, so we will go to our client's house and help them pick out a wardrobe. Oh, we will do a pre-session consultation where wardrobe for the dogs for the people for the people. Oh, for the if people. the people are in it, Sorry. people
2: people are always attached. Um,
1: I mean,
0: As I like, glance around looking at all these pet photos. None yeah, of them are no, clothes. no, but we've yeah.
2: gone to the house and we've also <laughs> even looked at the walls and looked at the rooms and helped figure mm-hmm. out what do you want on in Ooh. this space. Yeah. And then we'll come back
1: and we'll shoot for it. Right. Um, yeah, because we want to know what their decor and what their tastes are. So if somebody tells us, I really want to have, uh, you know, this, a beautiful portrait of me and my dog in our family room over the sofa, we need to know what that room looks like. Yeah. Um, so whether they take a photo of it and send it to us, or we go out and take a look at it, um, because the backdrop, how we approach the shoot, what how we frame it, all of those things are going to be dictated by that person's personal taste. Um and, and pricing also,
0: is as a package, it's not like per hour.
1: It's not it's not per right. hour, but right. it is it's per product. So okay. we have a session fee. For this set, for that particular session, our current session fee is eight hundred dollars, but six hundred converts to a product credit. So they can apply that towards wall art, they can apply that towards an album, a folio box. Oh, so you
0: are delivering like physically physical printed objects. Right. Right. So and
1: we all. can we do digital right. packages as well, but right. what we don't do is we don't <clears> just <throat> hand over every photo we took. Right. We just want our clients to have the images that they love um and we ideally we don't want them just digital well the
0: magic happens in the editing right?
1: well, I mean, the magic happens in in the physical product when you see okay, it on the right, wall yeah. i mean we we love it's seeing the process I, yeah. I
2: would say the magic happens the entire process That's true. the magic happens on set when you're bonding with the animal and having a good time and you're having that experience it becomes a play date mm-hmm. and then they come back and they i'm mean, gonna jump the gun but they see their images and then the final where i like guess the product of the magic is the printed image. And we want them to have something tangible to tangible. touch and
1: feel yeah. and put on the and wall. I guess
0: you also want them to have positive memories of every single step along oh, the yeah. way. Yeah, it is
1: not, oh, yeah. We're not, we're not, we're not. We're not providing. Yeah, you're not just focusing. We're not on the providing product. photographs. We are providing an experience. We're providing you know, memories. And and yeah, I mean, it's from, a, from start to finish. So it's a play date. When they come <laughs> in for the pre session consult, if they come into the studio versus us going out there, it is a fun play for the dog. Um, and we go over everything. Um, I mean, to the point of you need to get a manicure and a pedicure. And yeah, you know, we, we just.
0: For the dogs? No, no. For
1: the no, people. For the people, if the people. I'm sorry.
0: So, <laughs> what percentage to, is dogs? What
1: percentage is people? Speech. So, every dog comes with a human. And <laughs> a we second. always encourage people to be in the photos with their dog. Oh, okay. Even so if they don't fair. ever show it to anybody else. Gotcha. But we want to capture that bond. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? It's your relationship with your pet. So we strongly encourage that. Now, not everybody does it, um, but But we invite
2: them. So if you wanted to have a picture, let's say you wanted to bring in your dog, Fluffy, and you bring Fluffy and we do the pre-session consult, we invite you to when Fluffy comes in for their shoot, if you'd like to be in, this is, you know, some wardrobe ideas and have a mani-pedi and, you know, all of that other advice. And sometimes we're like, oh no 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 no, thank you at all. And then other people are like, okay maybe.
1: And then
2: they'll take us up and say, yeah, will you help me pick out clothes? Are you, you know, I did this. And and they'll they'll come prepared. And sometimes they've we've been out there shooting fluffy, and the person's like, yeah, I want in now too.
1: Mm -hmm. And we always tell them, even though they'll tell us, I don't want to be in it. We're like, okay, well we're going to tell you how to prepare anyway, because you might change your mind. Can and think, we, we, we don't force or, or pressure, but we encourage them to consider it because, you know, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, when that pet's no longer there, they're going to really cherish that photograph that they have of them with their pet. Because mm-hmm. most of us, we take photos of our pets, even with our phone, but when they are in the photos, Right. Yeah, it's like the same thing it's with like, kids. You're right. always the mom, being, Yeah, yeah. So we do encourage it. So when I say we're gonna tell them to do a mani patty. And the reason why we do that is a lot of the photographs, you see them holding their Holding so their hands face. are in it, or they're they're down on the floor with them, or they're down by their feet and we see their toes in it. So and it's also a great excuse to go get a mani patty. <laughs> Even if do we you don't... partner with any salons for that. We no. actually we do have a hair and makeup artist that we Hair and makeup, but not, yeah. a, salon, not a salon for mani patties. Okay. Right. Everybody most, but maybe most, women oh, most women have their place. Most women have their Okay, <laughs> I like, guess uh, that makes sense. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so sort of getting back to the process. So we do the pre-session consult. We let them know what the process is going to be. They'll come in for their shoot. We really don't put a time limit on it, but it usually is It's almost always two hours. I mean, we spend a lot of time because it's, sometimes it takes that long for pets to really like relax into it. Sometimes we have multiple pets. We want to make sure. And then a lot of times people are doing wardrobe changes. And, so and we do a backdrop change, and a lot
2: of times we're just having so much fun. Right, there's that
1: <laughs> we're having
2: fun, and they're talking. By the time people leave that shoot, we're f- friendly. Mm-hmm. How much time do you usually
0: allocate to the the actual shooting
1: of a signature? Session? On average, for a signature session, it's probably to ten hours wow. from start to finish. From the time so they're
0: getting the whole day.
1: Oh, oh no, 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 not no. shooting. Oh. Um, no, no. Oh, no. no. Sorry. From Sorry. the pre session meant- consult to the shoot to editing to um to product fulfillment no but it's a a
2: shoot probably camera pickup to the end good hour
1: well it can last it depends on what the shoot is and like sometimes a dog is done and (laughs) And sometimes we'll have five dogs so i mean it just depends Mm -hmm. but we'll we don't put a time limit on it's our point we're going to shoot as long as we need to shoot and then usually a little bit on top of that because we usually
0: like book maybe two per day no for
1: those it's one a day that we don't have we're we're done we're spent by okay. the time we do a signature session we are done mm-hmm. There and then easy um, hard yeah With easy hard and then they'll usually come back a week or two later and we review their we'll, we'll go through and we'll whittle down their set to the best photos and um and then again depending on how many animals and stuff that we don't have a set number like we don't say we're going to show you 50 or anything like that we're going to show them what we think are the best photos from the bunch and it can range anywhere from 50 to a couple hundred if they had three or four dogs or they did multiple wardrobe changes and whatever yeah
2: i I do want to point or put in on that one when we first started we whittled down the proof set fairly low compared to what we're showing now um and then we discovered that people were picking photos that we would have never picked Hmm. um just based on we pick our favorites and the client typically picks something different than what we would have thought as a favorite, mm-hmm. so we started including even more. So maybe like in the beginning we started off with fifty, and now we'll show you ninety. Right, and it's we've expanded it. It's those yeah. subtle
1: little expression changes that will really resonate with them. That um, like we might have had like five photos that we thought were almost identical or very similar, so we'll whittle it down and just show them one. And then we realize, wait a minute, it's that just that little squint of the eye or something that's really reminding them. Of, oh, that's the look I get every morning. I, you know when I say hi to my dog um and, so, and for our clients who were doing albums they actually really love the outtakes so we started including a lot of the funny outtakes knowing that there's a good chance they're just going to say no but they were fun and they were funny so we at least wanted them to see them you yeah. know and let them pick and decide if they wanted it in there but sometimes it's like where all you can see in the frame is a dog's butt because they're running out of, off the set and <laughs> well, it's have just funny it. and they love it and when we're going through photos
2: to to build that proof set we're looking for technical details Mm -hmm. right whereas you know when you're as a client i'm assuming that they're looking for again like she said that little twinkle that little Little part that a little emotional connection to the photo and Mm -hmm. we are you know Right.
1: going for details mm-hmm. so and it is very different it's one thing that's very different about photographing pets versus and it might be similar for photographing little kids i just haven't done enough to say that yeah it's the same but with photographing pets it's um like you can't just say stand on the x like you can with people <laughs> like dogs are just and we don't we don't we don't confine the dogs we like them to do what they're going to do and if it's a dog that's super jumpy and hyper we're going to photograph them being jumpy and hyper and what that means is we have a lot of a lot of bad a lot of bad frames, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean full mis-focus, or the dogs like like I said, they're jumping out of the frame or you slob- know what they do. slobber's flying, which we kinda love, but clients don't always like that. But my point is is that with people you can pretty much show almost every single frame mm-hmm. with dogs because they can be literally running circles around us and we're photographing them, trying to photograph them just as they hit the right spot on the the set. We don't always catch focus or, you know, it's it's a challenge like It's not 100%. So we usually will get get rid of anything that's just technically a bad photo. And here's the thing, and it's a little bit different. If you're a client that's, if you're a photographer who's mainly serving a client who just wants digital files and they're just going to show them on Instagram, you can get away with a lot of things. Our clients and what we're shooting for is we're shooting for somebody who's, we want every photo that we deliver is something that could be printed, easily printed, you Large. know, 50, 60 inches on the long end, no problem. So a photo that might technically be just fine for somebody who's using them on social media or whatever, or even just like a branding. It chair. can look fantastic on Instagram, fantastic But it won't Facebook. hold up. But to... if you
2: try to print it, say like the examples that we have on the walls in here, it's not going to hold up. It's not going to look good. It's going to fall apart. Yeah.
0: So what type of, um, you mentioned that there's like products that they can spend some of that as credits to mm-hmm. purchase. How is that coordinated? Like, are you printing those yourself? Is it with another no. service?
1: We use um, yeah, we use professional labs. So, um, we have a couple of different places where we we do our wall art. Um, it might be that we order the print from one of our labs and we have a local framer do it. We also have another vendor that we um, can use for framed wall art.
0: Is that all seamlessly connected to your website, or is it no,
2: no, no, no? They come in
1: here. And we do a that. design consultation. Okay, so we um we've either gone to their home. Or they have sent us photos per our instructions, and we'll actually pull in the photos of the room where they're going to hang the wall art, and we have a way to to do that so that we can then pull the framed artwork in to scale on their wall, so they can see exactly what it's going to look mm-hmm. like um, to scale. Um, so they won't be scratching their head wondering if they've chosen the right size or if this frame if this frame yeah. looks great. So, but we, I mean, we basically we put on our interior design hat at that point, and we're helping them. Select um, the right frames to coordinate. Like, let's say they're doing a gallery wall. You don't necessarily want everything framed in the same frame. We help them pick out frames that we know coordinate and go well together, um, and and to put together arrangements that will, are going to look incredible on the wall. And we will sometimes spend easily three or four hours with a client during their design session. So this is after the shoot, after they've chosen the photos that they want. Um, we'll spend that much time. Or if it's a client that's doing an album. Usually they'll leave the design of the album to us, but we spend a lot of time doing that. And it's still based on the things we've learned about that client. Okay, let's say it's a client who, um, their their home is very uh, modern and sort of clean and simple and all of that. How we design that album is, is it's going to match that aesthetic. If it's a client who's, uh, you know, has more of a warm, uh, very earthy feel. Like we might yeah. have multiple and we have swatch kits. So we help mm-hmm.
2: them pick out yeah. the different covers and the but interior. E- and the,
1: Yeah. But even yeah. the design of it, like we might have more images per page for those clients right. where we're doing more storytelling versus it being more portrait on each page. So it, all of that comes into play. So you can see why we need to get to know our clients really well yeah. because yeah. we, we take that to the, the end. What we never want to have happen is for that client's photos to be sitting on a hard drive. Or on or even worse, a thumb drive mm-hmm. in a drawer, never to be seen, again. yeah, and having had experiences with my and my own family, losing my parents and then not being able to even find the family photos that my dad took the last ten years of his life because they were all digitally never printed them, couldn't find them, I don't they're know, gone. I mean, so it's they're gone. gone, but I have, but I have photos of my grandparents and my father, when he was a child, a, a small baby from over a hundred years ago. Well, not my dad wasn't that old, but I, mean, I have, I have, yeah, I have family I have photos. photos dating back that long because they were printed and I still have them. And my, um, my nephew and great nephew, and they're going to get those, they're going to have those, but they're not going to have that last 10 years, you know, of digital photos that just, they're lost in the ether somewhere. So
2: yeah, it's, you know, digital is forever, but it's only until you, only as long as you can access it. And she's right, as long as you're printing it, I have photos from my great grandmother that she had. Mm. And they're priceless to me. Right. And those are the first things you grab when your house
1: is down, right? Yeah. yeah. It's a print. So and that's what And I it worries me because kids today, remember when they take soap and then I say kids. Younger yeah. people who didn't they like they, they didn't have that excitement of taking a roll of film to a lab to get do. it printed, because that was the way you see wait. your photos. Yeah. And they're, they're literally <laughs> taking hundreds and hundreds of photos every week, and they're not printing them. Like, what are the odds in 20 years they're still going to be able to access those photos? Mm-hmm. I mean, when we first, when I first started shooting professionally, I was delivering to clients on floppy disks and then CDs. And then you and, and know, CDs, as you know, they corrupt. So good, yeah. I can pull out right. a whole bunch and you can't read all of the files. And it's right. been 15 years. So it hasn't even been that long. And that technology is, it's just obsolete. You have to go and like go to a thrift store <laughs> to, find, yeah. to find a way to read it or, or pay crazy or amounts. If the memory goes bad or yeah. if you've
2: got it plugged in and there's a lightning strike and you have a power surge and all that,
1: and the device is gone. Who's really as good as they should be about backing up? and copying to new media every time something becomes obsolete. I mean, professional photographers are, you know, because we understand that. But the average person doesn't do that. But I
2: think you understand it because you lost something. I have mm -hmm. backups now because I have a nice little silver box of about 17,000 digital images that I can't access because I didn't back them up on something newer. So, yeah, I learned that lesson.
0: Mm. So you guys don't do clouds? Storage. Oh, we, we oh, do. Yeah, oh, okay.
2: I'm saying
1: that that back in the day, I have this no, nice No, backed drive. up four times. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now we have on-site, off-site, and cloud storage. So. Yeah. Wow. But yeah. now, not, so not is 15 years ago.
0: So is there someone whose business you've been maybe inadvertently, maybe on purpose, modeling your business after?
1: I think we we've, we've picked things from different things. Mm-hmm. So number one is just things that we just evolved. I don't even know how it came how about could? over years, but there are. Um, I don't know any other double photographers that I don't know any other partners like us, but in like some different genres, so, yeah. But there are all sorts of yeah, there are all sorts of things online now that have great courses, like a business course. Like if yeah. somebody was just starting out and they wanted to know, um, If they're doing regular portrait photographer, photography, I would say, like Sue Bryce has really great courses. Oh drum, yeah, she does posing, yeah. like all the technical side. There are a number of uh, other groups that uh, Kelby. Um, it's great if you want to learn editing. Um, Matt Kloskowski, uh, Kelby, well, it used to be Photoshop USA or whatever. Um, there are a lot of great resources for learning how to edit and how to process photos. Lots of great online courses for that. Um, there's, nice. there's the podcast, Andrew. That, yeah, Andrew Helmich has an, an amazing podcast. that's the business of photography and he has photographers from different genres on all the time. So there are all these wonderful online resources to get inspiration you and you can choose what works for us. So. Yeah, and then from a business standpoint, uh, Megan Napiro has a great yeah. uh offers great courses if you're a pet photographer just starting out. Um, really, really good content for somebody just starting out with pet photography as hair of the dog. Um so they're just like tons and tons of resources, which is amazing. I wish I had had that when I they first did got have started. That. Yeah. And pet photography I mean, was, but I didn't know where to get it. And and pet photography wasn't even a thing. Like people were like, What? You're a My dad's
0: got this, like, 10-book set on photography because he used to own one of those, like, tourist photo studios in mm-hmm. Key West oh, and people okay. dress like the old oh, West. Fun. I love that. I just did one I, of those I did that couple months in the ago. 80s. I did that.
2: <laughs> no, I just did it a couple months ago. I loved it.
0: And he, he would print on, like, large-format Polaroids or, like, an oh, 8x10 Polaroid. Wow. Yeah. Um... But anyway, so he's got this huge collection of photography books, and like mm-hmm. now that I'm actually playing with photography, I want uh, to read those, mm-hmm. but I imagine most of that stuff's going to go over my head because it's all film
1: There, There are two books I recommend to people a lot. If you're just starting out and you, you don't know how to turn your camera onto manual, I, not, I, I recommend that you get a book. It's called Lighting Essentials. Um, See the one light magic. It's uh, the, I'm trying to remember the the author of that book. is a great photographer. I just can't think of his name right now. But it's lighting essentials, and I think he's got like the third or fourth edition out. But it's great for people that need to learn how, like the exposure triangle. So knowing shutter speed, aperture. Um, and I forget F-stop. that every time
0: I start using my camera.
1: So. Yeah, so lighting essentials is great. And then if you really want, if you really really want to master light, and you don't have to do it all at once, but there is a book, and it's very dry. But it's called Light Science and Magic. That's what it is, now. and um, and it has really great examples of how to shoot a lot of different I things. I think it's a great book. It is. It's not. It's not super colorful. They don't have a lot of light like, color photos in it, but it it has the lighting diagrams and explains right. some of the science on it. It's yeah. yeah. And if you just like, if you're uh-huh. just doing portrait photography again, Sue Bryce, her online courses are great because then yeah. you can actually see how she's setting up lights for she you should, know she. paramount lighting. And Rembrandt lighting, and clamshell light. It's so, like, you know, all of the all of the things that a regular, like, a human portrait photographer would do. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with one of her courses either, but light science and magic is going to teach you how to do product photography, um, just about any lighting scenario you but could possibly imagine. Also,
2: just putting your camera on manual and...
1: Experimenting. Experiment, Experimenting, yeah.
2: So, the difference between us and it's the yin-yang thing, obviously, Lori is very... And technical, and I call her a gearhead, and I am very. Let's see what this button does.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know personally, like I, because I go to the the Tampa Bay Society of Photographic Arts Uh, meetings a mm -hmm. lot, who Jose Gomez runs, and he's been on the podcast. I'm always impressed with his photos Mm -hmm. because he doesn't worry about things being clear, about there not being noise, and like I'm terrified of there being noise in my photos. Mm -hmm. So I really need to get more comfortable just. So
1: that's where around. you learn the rules yeah. and then you break then, every single one of them. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, I haven't tell tell anybody how they should do it, but if, if you want to have the most control, the most creative control, where you can actually decide how you want your photo to look, you should know how to do things from a technical standpoint. You should know how to not have noise in your photo okay. and, and how not to have motion blur and how to deal with a low light situation. Or a fast moving subject, or how to get the greatest depth of field, or the shallowest depth of field. So, knowing all of those things, I think, is important. Like, the more you know your craft, the more you can then create what you want to create. Right. And it becomes intentional instead of accidental. Because as a professional, you have to be able to produce con- consistently, consistently good quality professional work. You can't just always get away with spray and pray. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you can't just you know hope that you get something playing
2: and practicing I
1: accidentally yeah I
2: accidentally discovered shallow depth of field because I bought a lens that was 2.8 and I just knew I needed more light so that's why I bought the lens and then I knew at 2.8 this different you know steps that oh I could have the light look good and then I discovered oh, when I do that, it's really soft in the background. And oh, look at the bokeh and look at this. And now if you look at my catalog of all the photos I've taken ever since I discovered shallow depth of the field and then how much I loved it, now I shoot that because I know exactly what I want. And I want to look exactly a certain way. But I stumbled on that at first. Mm-hmm. And that's where... I'm saying you practice and you're like, Oh, this didn't work. This worked. And then you fall in love with something. And, you know, for me personally, I have a grass series that I've been shooting 20 years, 20 years. And I, you will follow you'll find a subject that you will fall in love with and it sounds ridiculous to say, but I could go sit for hours in the grassy little parking lot here and and shoot. Mm -hmm.
1: So you just practice and play. It's playing. Yeah, so it's, yeah. It, you know, and there's that whole Bob Ross thing, too, happy little accident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you got Holy smokes. And that's that's part of the excitement, too, is experimenting. Like, I, I don't know how some photographers just always stick to the rules. Like I said, I, you, knowing knowing how your equipment works is great, but, but then you can play. Yeah. As
0: busy as you two are in the studio, do you allocate time to play?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yeah, we we both always have some personal projects Personally, going on. I've got a, a, a series of um, sort of abstract seascapes I've been working on. Um, I actually have a project I'm not going to talk about it too much, but okay. a personal project I'm doing with John Gascott as a muse. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been on your podcast. Amazing yeah. artist. It's a really um, cool um, project. Too. And oh. um, yeah, and I still do wildlife mm-hmm. and nature photography, yes. and I still do conservation photography. And I, that's not something. I mean, sometimes I'm showing and selling, but. It's not something I plan to do. Like, I just do it because I absolutely love doing it. Um, it's very meditative for me, and it's a great excuse to get outside and photograph birds and nature and wildlife and She likes birds. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, just, I'll photograph it. Yeah. just an a get every outside time. with my camera and shoot, or yeah. just walking downtown and doing some street shooting.
2: Cool. Um,
1: and by mixing things up, too, I think it helps us come back with a fresh perspective for our clients' yeah. shoots, too. Yeah, there's things that I've shot outside
2: of the studio, and then we get it. Dog out on set. I'm like, I saw this. Let's try it with a dog. <laughs> yeah.
0: So Good. awesome. Well, thank you both so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for Lauren and Nikki, you're amazing. Yeah. I know we could go on for like another nine hours. Right. We could, we could. Kind of <laughs> want to ruin your
1: evening,
2: so. We could definitely chat. If you come in the studio, you'll find out we can chat. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again so much. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Thanks. You all too.
1: Thank, thank you. Me. Bye.
0: Art for Profit's Sake is recorded through Riverside FM, distributed through Spotify for podcasters, and edited on Adobe Audition. The music is provided by Old Romans. If you learned anything useful or found this podcast helpful, please rate and review us five stars. If you want to learn more about me or my art, head over to chainassembly.com.